You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Kevin Perez is pumped up. That pitch was labeled right back at him, but he said not today as that was going to go right up the middle. He snagged it with the glove was Kevin Perez, and he's a good defender as well. We've seen it just in that last at-bat. So a good leadoff second base. Yeah, last season he spent time with There's a hard shot from Daniel Vick to right field. It drops in just fair for a base hit. Garza scores. Here comes Jones around third. The relay throw is not in time. The Helms is tied the game with the run. It's a triple for Daniel Vick, and it's 2-2. Two two. The 0-1 slap to left field. O'Neal looking up at the fence, and that ball is... Garza gets on base, he hits ninth, and he's, you know what, he's a perfect ninth hitter. He hits this one right up to second base and gets over into the dugout as Garza's going to go to second on an air by the shortstop, Ryland Sandoval, as that scores a run. Yep. But it's an RBI nonetheless for Robert Garza. As and that is lined in the left field, drops in for a base hit, scoring is Richard Stock. And around to score as well is Lolly to make it nine to one on a two RBI a hard single. shot on a fastball, and Rocket has his second home run of the game. Oh my goodness, Mike! A two-run shot for Daniel Rocket, and it's eleven to me to short, and Daniel Bick plays it over to first in time to get the runner, but a run scores, and it's seventeen to one. Welcome inside the studio for Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm Diamond Dante. For a special edition of Around the Diamond, as the Ottawa Champions season is now underway with two games under their belt coming into Saturday's show. If you're listening on Sunday, then three games have passed. And, of course, when we're recording this, it is Saturday. But a recap on uh, the Champions Spring Training, the moves... And the two games that they did, uh, so that that they did play, one they won on a walk-off home run by Grower, and as you just heard, they lost, you know, 17 to one to the Jackals last night in Game Two. Final line score for New Jersey: 17 runs on 15 hits, only committing one error. As the champions only scored one run on six hits and committed two errors in the field. It's by Daniel Bick and then Kenny Bryant at first base. So a little bit of sloppy baseball in this game and we're going to get to some comments with Hal Lanier but just a quick recap on last night's big loss to the Jackals they're one and one on the season and you know it was it was all Jackals as Michael O'Neill contributed with a home run Dustin Lawley hit one out of the park Daniel Rocket hit one all the way across the street onto Coventry Road he hit two home runs deep to left field RBIs in this game O'Neill had a sacrifice fly and a three-run shot, that's four RBIs on the year. Ryland Sandoval had one RBI. Corey Vaughn had an RBI. Richard Stock had two of the catcher. Corey Lawley had a three-run shot. Devontae Richardson had two RBIs with an RBI single. And Devon- and uh, Daniel Rocket had a two-run shot. And a one-run shot, a solo jack, was Rocket. He had an excellent game. He went four for four. But one bright spot for the champions was R.J. Garza's, you know, 
although he went 0 for 2 the night before he was 3 for uh sorry 2 for 3 with a walk last night he got on base all four times he got on on an error he got on by being hit and i believe and he walked so you know he went 0 for 2 but he had an, a, a great you know that counts as a as an so he only got grounded out once i believe but you know in the in the two games RJ Garza, the rookie who's hitting ninth in, at second base, has done an excellent job to get on base. And this is someone that who has speed. He can bunt. He can play excellent defense, as we have seen that in the field. So it's definitely a big, uh, you know, high for the champions. Despite losing last night's game, pitching line for New Jersey, Ernest went five innings, allowing one run on three hits and six strikeouts. Then Lee Sosa came in, closed the door, two innings, only allowed two hits. One strikeout, and then Caceres and Sheehan came in to shut the door in the eighth and ninth inning. As for the man we call Jason Coker, made the team at open tryouts, and he made his first professional appearance last night, pitched an inning and a half, and only allowed three earned runs, but for a position player, he's a, he's a third baseman, was sitting on the bench. The champions decided not to use any of their pitching when, pitchers when they were already down uh, 15 to 1, so they decided to throw in a position player, which is very smart. In this league, you only have six pitchers in the bullpen. You don't want to waste too many of them as they're still young and, and all that. Randy Hamrick, pitching line for the Ottawa Champions. Randy Hamrick started this one, received the loss, went four innings, allowing three earned runs, or sorry, seven runs, three of those earned, one walk, five strikeouts. Andrew Cooper came in, shut the door, three innings pitched, only allowed two hits, two walks, three strikeouts, no runs. Louis Parra had a very tough time as he came in, pitched a third of an inning, allowed six earned runs on three hits, five walks, and two strikeouts. He, you know, just got off the plane. He's from Dominican Republic and is, uh, you know, is still trying to find his own. He hasn't really got used to the team. So I think he's a really good pitcher. I've seen him throw a bullpen, and I think that Billy Horn and Hallinier are really looking forward to see what he brings to the team in his next start. Jason Coker came in, allowed actually four earned runs on an inning and a third, and that is pretty much sums up the game for the Ottawa Champions and the New Jersey Jackals. That's game two. But with that being said, we're going to send it to a special or to a post-game interview with Ottawa Champions manager Hal Lanier. And then we're going to talk to Miles Wolf. And Mike and I are going to touch on, at the ballpark, we're going to touch on uh, the key acquisitions that the Champions have made in bringing in the two Cumin players. So have a listen to the post-game comments with Hal, Hal Lanier, and then we'll be back in a few. Joined here with Hal Lanier, and uh, first off, your initial so- thoughts on uh, tonight's uh, tough loss to the Jackals. Well, it wasn't tough. <laughs> yeah, we just got off to a bad start and ended up in a bad start. You know, um, we just couldn't get the ball over the plate. We walked entirely too many. And when you get behind the counts like that and you have to throw fastballs to a fastball-hitting team, they hit the ball out of the ballpark. you got to give them credit. But, you know, again, um, you know, Cooper, I thought, did a good job. Three innings, threw the ball good. But other than that, uh, it was a tough night on the mound for us. Now that you do speak of Cooper, um, will he, when, when will he be next available for the champions? Probably two days. You know, that's why we had to, we didn't want to use anybody else. Coker went out there and, you know, did the best he could. We didn't want to use, you know, Gill or... Wilson or somebody like that just you know in, in that type of game you just try to you know get three outs and you know Coker did the best he could he, 
you know, that's, that's good for a guy to step up and say, hey, I'll go out and pitch. And he pitched before, but, you know, it was one of those games that you just turn the page and that's about it. That's all you can do. You'd like to see your offense get going as well at some point? Well, we, we have to. You know, it's you know, only the second game, but still, you know, we got to start swinging the bats a little bit better. But, uh, you know, Grier hit the ball good again tonight and uh, had a couple base hits. Uh, Erie had a couple base hits. So, you know, we just got to get everyone on the same page and, uh, you know, come back tomorrow and win a ball game. A bright spot for this team, I guess, uh, to this point has been uh, Robert Garza's play. What do you like from his play so far? Well, he's, he's played very good defense. Um, you know, swung the bat good yesterday. And, again, um, you know, he's getting an opportunity to play because uh, Cartwright's still injured a little bit. And, um, you know, he's doing a very good job. As You know, he came in here to be a backup infielder, and he's a rookie. But, uh, again, he had great college stats and uh, – you know, he's very valuable on the ball club. He can play every position. So, uh, you know, again, uh, it's good to have him. Nick and Carza combined for a nice play, led to a, a double play. And it, it, it seems like, you know, infield defense has always been, you know, one of the stronger parts of this team. And, and that that was the case again tonight for, for a lot of it. Um, the... Um, uh, how, how how much better are you expecting the infield defense to be this year? Now that you've got you know Bick returning, Garza's here, Albert Cartwright's returning. We you know we signed the Cuban players and Donald Duarte to play third. I think it's going to be a very solid you know defensive ball club. I think that's one of our strong points. And you know um, right now I, I like the the makeup of the ball club. I like the the defense and the infield. Uh, guys are going to make errors. I mean, that's part of the game. Uh, you know, we made a big one the first inning. But, again, you know, got, everyone makes them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we like our defense, not only in the infield but the outfield too. So we just got to come back and, you know, get a good pitch game tomorrow to Quisman and see what happens. Tonight. Oh. Sorry, tough game, uh, obviously. Uh, do you look to switch anything up in terms of player selection or lineup or – well, you can't do too much, <laughs> you know, with one guy hurt and you only got one guy on the bench, really. And, again, I'll probably catch Danny Guire tomorrow so because we've got two games coming up, uh, day games, and, uh, you know, I want to get him behind the plate. I mean, Erie's been doing a great job, but, you know, a five-game series, he should catch probably two games, especially, you know, when we have two day games. Luis Parra had a, a tough outing tonight. Uh, what are your thoughts on his uh relief appearance well benefit of the doubt i don't know the last time that he swung really i mean uh they've been going back you know with their visa papers in new york for a long long time i don't know how you know the last time that he threw i know he threw a bullpen the other day and uh he looked pretty good today he, he couldn't find the plate so hopefully um you know getting on the mound getting in the bullpen get some work and hopefully he'll be the pitcher that we th- think he will be is it a question of, you know, maybe, like, getting used to the... Because, obviously, it's a much different situation with the weather, but, um, you know, t- tonight it was kind of cool. It's been cool here. He's only been here for two days. Do you think it's the fact that he's just kind of arrived and he's still getting accustomed to things? No, I don't think the weather has anything to do with it. Yeah. If you're a pitcher, I'm sure sometime or another he pitched in goal weather. Yeah, the weather didn't have anything to do with it. He just couldn't find a plate, and that's... You know, again, you, you just... Hopefully that that... Is his worst outing. Um, you know, again, you got to just turn the page and, you know, bring him in again and see what happens. Yeah. 
going into tomorrow, start just finally um, talk about, I guess, uh, Chrisman starting the game, and what do you guys are going to look for him to kind of accomplish tomorrow well, in his first start? I think start? he'll have a good game tomorrow. He, he threw good during the spring training, and again, you know, it's the first time out for for everybody about, you know, and the only person that we've really seen is Galbraith and, uh, and Font last year. So we're getting a, a look and get a feel, you know, just like I'm sure every ball club does. Um, their pitcher threw good tonight. Ernst, Ernst gave us a tough time last year. So, again, um, you know, we just turn the page and start over again tomorrow. Thanks. Yeah. Welcome inside Raymond Chabot Grand Thornton Park for, uh, I guess, a live edition or uh, an at-the-ballpark edition of Around the Diamond. Diamond Dante here with Mike Nellis inside the press box. Nice view out here, cut in the grass. Stadium looks amazing. Excited for the season. Yeah, they're getting ready for opening day, which uh, is uh, the night that we're recording this, Thursday night at RCGT Park so we'll see uh, we'll see how the field conditions stock up right now it's looking pretty nice outside and uh, the field's looking nice and green as well it hasn't been the uh, the wettest week or the wettest uh, start to the summer in the spring so grounds crew uh, grounds crew has done a fantastic job grounds crew has done an amazing job and it's like you know GM Bed Hodge says best ground crew in the Can-Am League can't beat them can't beat them and uh we're here to talk about some big news, and of course, we're going to go down to see Miles Wolf after this segment, uh, or after this, uh, to talk about the two Cuban signings that the champions made early this week. That's Donel Duarte, who came out of the, who also played for the Cuban national team and played in the Cuban league at Pinar de Rio, and Alexander Maleta, who is 39 years old. He's a DH slash first base. He'll probably uh, most likely DH most of the time, but it, it's his bat. That's the reason why the champion signed him is because of his bat. He also played for the Cuban national team, and he's he's almost like a legend there, Mike. People love him down in Cuba, and he is getting a great opportunity to come down and play in the Can-Am League. Not to get a, maybe a contract in the minor league system is Maleta, but to just get rewarded for what he's done. And Miles will touch on that in a minute or in a couple minutes. But we're going to talk about the signing of Maleta, Mike. What do you like from? Uh, this, the champion signing, Alexander Maleta. Yeah, he's got 17 seasons of uh, professional, or not professional, but uh, I guess you could consider it amateur baseball because it's uh, a foreign league. But uh, 17 years of experience in the Cuban baseball league for a couple different teams. He's played for the Industriales for the last uh, 12 years before this year, 39 years old. But, you know, we're, we're going to talk about that in the interview with Miles about how he is, uh, uh, he may be 39, but he's putting up some of the best stats of his career. Last year, his on-base percentage was 433, uh, and that was an improvement on the previous three years of his career. So uh, he's in, uh, you know, exceptional physical shape. Just because he's 39 doesn't mean he's going. He's not going to uh, really contribute to the Ottawa Champions this year. Maeda is a big game player. He's a big time player with a big following in Cuba. And a lot of experience, too. And and I hope that the language barrier isn't really too much because mm-hmm. he could really bring a lot if he's able to communicate with these guys effectively. You know what? Kevin Perez, 
pitcher for the Ottawa Champions, speak fluent English and fluent Spanish. So does uh, Wilmer Perez, or sorry, not Wilmer Font, also speaks Spanish. So I, I mean, there's a couple other Spanish guys in here. As long as you can get one that can speak both English and Spanish, I think that the season will be fine. And it's all, and it's what they do in the clubhouse. It's how they perform. But Maeda played for Team Cuba at the 2009 World Baseball Classic, and that's a very big stat. Of course, Sebastian Boucher played for Team Canada at the 2006 World Baseball Classic, so it's it's a nice achievement to have two guys that have played at the national phase here on the Ottawa Champions. Spoke to Sebastian Boucher yesterday about this exact thing, playing against Maeda at the World Baseball Classic, and he said that he doesn't remember much about Maeda, but he does remember that he was a big hitter, and he remembers that uh, the Canadian team really had to keep an eye on him. So among the Cuban national team, you know, that's a very big baseball nation. They're, they're a country that really prides themselves on being good at baseball. This guy was the captain of that team. He was the guy on the Cuban national team for many, many years, and his stats have been better uh, in the last year than they were when he played on the Cuban national team in 2009 at the World Baseball Classic. So uh, he's a guy that's uh, going to come into Ottawa, and you would expect him to put up decent numbers uh, in the Can-Am League. Now, you don't want to put too much of of an expectation on this guy, but it truly is a really big signing. You know what, Mike? Maeda, he's a left-handed hitter. He can only either play first base or DH, right? And he's going to bring a lot of depth to this lineup, a lot of experience. Being 39 years old, he's the oldest guy on this team. Sebastian Boucher is the hitting coach, and he's 34. I mean, you think about that, and that it's nice to have that experience, even if you can't speak English. Well, you're right. And you know what? There's, like you said, not being able to speak English is one thing, but you brought up a good point. Baseball is not an English sport. It's a multicultural sport. So it's something that's going to bring these guys together, and they find ways to get around that. And the other thing, too, that we haven't really touched on is leading by example on the field. And, you know, if, if Maeda's going to DH for the champions or, or you see him, uh, you know, at first base every now and then, Uh, He's a guy that's going to be an offensive player and an offensive-minded player, right? You've got Kenny Bryant as well, who's probably going to play some first base this year for the most part. I would expect him and Maeda to switch every now and then, but Maeda only in the field when Bryant needs a day off type thing. That's what I would guess. Uh, because he's a very comfortable player at first base. Those are two offensive-minded players switching in and out. I would expect them to feed off each other. I I think so. You know, Kenny Bryant, they're both left-handed hitters. This adds more left-handed hitters to the team as Matt Helms is left-handed, Sebastian Boucher is left-handed, Kenny Bryant, Maeda. All your power hitters are left-handed. All your your better hitters in the order are left-handed. But with that being said, we're going to move over to the other Cuban that they signed Third baseman, 33 years old. That's Donald Duarte. He's also had excellent numbers playing for the same team as Maeda. He uh, registered 322 average and uh, lots of doubles. And he was a hit per game, Mike. So when you ever have, whenever you have those stats and you come to this league, especially with a hole at third base. It's got to be nice to have. And he's a guy that's played for the same team in the Cuban League, Pinar Del Rio, for the last 15 seasons coming into this year. He started with them when he was 19. He's been with them every single year since. So it's going to be an adjustment for him coming into a new team, coming into a new country, of course, uh, to get to that place. I would expect uh, to see 
uh, both Duarte and Maeda at first uh, maybe see a bit of an adjustment period because l- let's be honest here, nobody is going to be comfortable in their first game right after playing 15 seasons in the same place and then going to a different part of the world to play baseball, right? So you so, think he'll get a day off, right? Well, it's not that he's going to get it. I'm, I'm talking in his first uh, game as an Ottawa champion, in his first games. I don't think right away we're going to come in and, and, and right away see these guys develop as impact players off the bat. It's going to take some time, and if it doesn't, I think that can be taken as a, a real positive. But Duarte's a guy, he's 33 years old. He's been uh, playing at a very, very competitive level in a c- competitive baseball country for a long time. So he's another guy that brings a, a wealthy amount of experience, and, and he may be 33 years old, not quite with the experience of Maeda, but he almost has it. 17 seasons for Maeda and 15 for Duarte. That's a lot of experience, and with that being said, we're going to wrap up this segment and send it over to, uh, actually, we're going to go down and talk to Miles Wolf. Right after this, you're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. So I'm joined here with Mike Nellis, uh, with uh, Commissioner of the Can-Am League and owner of the Ottawa Champions, Miles Wolf. And uh, we're, today we're going to talk about the two big acquisitions of the Ottawa Champions, and that's Donal Duarte and Alexander Maeda. Um, what do you know about these two players? Well, there are two veteran players from the Cuban national team. Both have been, you know, great hitters. Uh, Maeda was captain of the team for many years. Uh, Duarte is supposed to be a really good clutch hitter. So we we just think we've got two good hitters coming when whenever we can get them. What was the process of uh, signing these two players? Was it as simple as you would just uh, you just told them what uh, the team needed and then uh, they acted on it? Yeah. Well, they the last two years they've sent players to Quebec and they like they wanted to expand it mm-hmm. and so when, when I was in Cuba a couple of weeks ago we had talked about it and they said would you like these two players and I met the players and it you know their records are really good you know uh, so sure sure and now it's more a matter of getting all the visas in order. What was it like to go to Cuba and meet these two guys and kind of see them play the Tampa Bay Rays and that whole experience? Well, I didn't actually see them play in that game, but I did watch it on TV. But just just knowing, you know, who they are and the Cuban national team usually being one of the best teams in the world, in, you know, in terms of international tournaments. Uh, you know, they're just good, strong. You look at their, their records, good, strong hitters. So, so we're just uh, feel really good about them. Um, the, uh, the caliber of play in Cuba... Uh, compared to the Can-Am League. What, what's that like, and uh, what, what can fans expect to see from, from these two players? Are they going to be dominant here, or are they going to fit right in type thing? You know, I think it's a wait and see. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be very good. Certainly last year, uh, Goriel, uh, the outfielder for Quebec, won the batting championship, but he was more of a singles hitter. These two are, are, are power guys, uh, but they're experienced uh you know, we fit the, think they'll fit right in, uh, but you never know till they play the game. And here's more of a question about just the Cuban community. What do you? Th- why? What's the reason for why they want to come here to Canada and play baseball here and not just stay in their home country? You look at their age. One's 39 years old. Most likely, probably not going to get a contract with a minor league affiliate team. So, what's the reason why they want to come here to Canada? I don't know this for sure, but this is what I've been told is it's sort of a reward. Here are two of the better players from the national team. They never defected. You know, they've been good, loyal 
players for the Canadian team, for the Cuban team, excuse mm-hmm. me. And, you know, it's sort of reward. We'll let you go play in Canada for, for you know, the summer. You know, it'll be a great experience. Uh, I think the word out with the Cuban players who played in Quebec is good. So I think it's more a reward for players who have been really good on the national team and will we'll, we'll send you to Canada. Also, I think there's less chance of them defecting because they are too old yeah. for major league clubs really to be interested in. You know, they're interested in 24, 25-year-olds, yeah. not mid-30s. So, so I think that's the other reason. Have you talked to these two players at all and, and measured their excitement to come play in Ottawa at all? Are they, are they enthusiastic about uh, coming to Ottawa? I think so. Obviously, the language, I don't speak Spanish yeah. <laughs> and they don't speak English. But, you know, I met with them. Yeah. You know, we saw, actually signed the contracts in Cuba. Uh, no, I think they're very, very interested in, uh, in coming here. I think it's a new experience for them. And finally, uh, what's the transition going to be like for these two players, you know, not knowing any English, kind of getting along with the teammates? I know you've got a couple of Hispanic players on the team. What's that transition going to be like for them personally? I think it'll be a little difficult. We, certainly in the front office, need to be aware that culturally they haven't been, you know, ever played professional baseball. So we're going to need to help them. We've got one of our staff who speaks some Spanish. Uh, but it's it's going to be a learning process for both of us on how how we handle, you know, players who have never played professionally before. And finally, um, does this move kind of mark a new era in the Can-Am League where you kind of want to bring in more Cuban players and more veterans in that sort? I think so. I think it's been an experiment for the Cuban baseball to send players to Canada. I think they now that they see it's working, I think they'll send more. I think also if the embargo laws in the U.S. change, this will be a good way for Cuban players to be seen by major league clubs. We hear that, you know, many major league clubs are going to be following the Cuban national team when they're here in June because looking that the U.S. laws will be changed in the next year or so. So I think it's a way for the Cuban government to highlight some of their better players. Welcome inside Raymond Chabot Grand Thornton Park for another live edition of Around the Diamond. And uh, this is right after the uh, Champions' big win over the New Jersey Jackals in which uh, Mike Nellis and I had the chance to call the game. Walk-off home run, Danny Grower. First off, Mike, your thoughts on the big walk-off home run by Danny in the ninth. Well, it was a wonderful moment for baseball in Ottawa, a wonderful moment for this franchise. The first walk-off home run in Ottawa Champions history comes in the home opener of the team's second season. So uh, there's a lot to be excited about because uh, that's something that's never happened before to this team. A lot of fans uh, saw basically their first big moment in Ottawa Champions history, one of these iconic moments that you're going to look back on in in the past and say, wow, you know, this is this this team coming into its own and and really growing to a certain point. 
right? So um, it was it was really good. And, and we talked to Danny Grauer after the game. He said that uh, you know hitting a home run like that is something you uh, you try to think about all winter, and that's the kind of thing that you're dreaming and envisioning all winter uh, is, is coming out and, and coming in the clutch for your team like that. And and, and what a job by Danny Grauer as well. We talked to Hal Lanier after the game about the way that. He's been swinging the bat in, in, in batting practice and spring training, and, and even toward the end of last season, he was very, very good, and he was able to adjust to Can-Am League pitching very well to the point where we could see him as a legitimate power hitter in the Can-Am League now uh, coming into the future and coming in for the rest of this season, a guy that the champions can rely on. You know what? You know what's funny about that, Mike? And if you didn't tune into the broadcast last, or, you know, on Thursday night, the home opener, I kept saying we're in that at-bat where Kenny Bryant was at third, and, you know, I kept saying, Danny Grauer, don't do too much. Just send her right up the middle or right down the line into the gap because Devontae Richardson was playing more right center, and I think he gave Grauer a little bit more gap room. But boom, he hits a home run, and I was wrong about that how, you know, maybe you don't want to do too much, but I think in that count, Mike, you look at the first pitch, a fastball, and he tried to challenge him again as Danny uh, whiffed on the first pitch fastball and then uh, threw another fastball and it was gone. Yeah. So, you know, what do you think of the whole at-bat with Grauer and what he was trying to do in his approach? Well, I, I think it's important to note that all he really needed was a base hit, and, and, and that would have gotten the win for the champions. Daniel Bick was on third 90 feet away, uh, with a chance to uh, to win the game with really anything. You could even, you know, there's a lot of different things you could have pulled, of course. Like, you don't really want to pull anything um, too crazy, but basically all you need is a simple base hit. And, and Grauer saw that first pitch fastball. You know, I, I don't want to call it a meatball because it was pretty quick coming in there, and he was a little bit behind it, but he really uh, took a good yeah. cut at that at that fastball, and, and it didn't scare Cruz too much because he came right back at it with him. I think he was encouraging, or it was an encouraging sign to see or maybe Grower a little bit behind in the bat speed, but the second <laughs> pitch went to the same place, and and, and he, he saw it again, did Danny Grower, and he took it out of the ballpark. So, yeah, of course, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing something... Um, where where you, you only need a base hit and you only really need to do something to get something into the outfield to score the runner from third. But we talked to Hal Lanier after the game and he said, you know, you just got to be aggressive at the plate. And if you see something and you see an opportunity to do something crazy, then take it. And Danny Grauer did that. He won the game with uh, a walk-off two-run home run. Now we're going to go to the, uh, I guess, start of the game. We're, gonna, we're reca- recapping this game and we just went through the biggest moment of the game but then we're going to talk about Wilmer Font's start Mike and of course he went six innings allowing two earned runs over 108 pitches. Billy Horn mentioned that he was looking to maybe see him go 70 to 80 pitches. He went way over that but the reason was is because he looked good out there and they were very confident in Wilmer Font's start as for you know the home run is a curveball down in the zone he made a little bit of a mistake but you know what he kept his team in the game by allowing two runs. What did you like from Wilmer Font's start last night Mike? Look, everybody makes mistakes. John Walter made mistakes, too, late in the game that allowed the champions to tie the game. Daniel Bick coming in uh, in clutch there with the uh, two RBI uh, triple to knock things up two to two. But, but, but yeah, no, it was, it was really good, Wilmer Fon. I think that the variety that he had in his pitches was was very good. You, you could you could switch from uh, that little changeup that looked to be, you know, in the 70s to a heating fastball very, very quickly. And that's the kind of variety that you need in your pitch staff. You need a good pitching arsenal to be a guy like Wilmer Fond who's going to start well. He's pitching out of the stretch like uh, Billy Horn told him to last 
year, and he looked really comfortable. He looked good. He, he looked like a guy that uh, that was very, very uh, uh, well. I, I just said comfortable, but he looked just that. He looked comfortable uh, in the starter's role because that was something that we weren't 100 percent sure on last year. He was a reliever with the Texas Rangers. He was a reliever with Round Rock uh, in the AAA no. uh, league. Uh, in the, pardon me, in the Pacific Coast League with yeah. the Texas Rangers AAA affiliate. So um, switching from the relief role to the starters role is no easy transition. And it's taken, I don't, I don't want to say it's taken a year for him to get used to it because he really pretty much came into a groove probably about a third of the way through last season. But this year he's really looking good. Absolutely. And then following Wilmer Font came in. A nice acquisition in the offseason was Kevin Perez. He pitched two innings. He will not be available uh, for at least one day here, Mike. But Wilmer, I mean, sorry, not Wilmer. Kevin Perez was very dominant coming out of the bullpen. He came in. He struck out batters. He didn't walk too many batters, didn't allow a lot of base runners, and got the job done. That's all that matters is there was a big goose egg on the board, Mike. Exactly. That's what you want to do as a relief pitcher. You want to come in, do your job for an inning or two, and get out. And that's what Kevin Perez did. It was a, a very encouraging start for him, uh, and and it was something that the uh, that the uh, the manager of the Ottawa Champions, Hal Lanier, talked about after the game. He said that he was very encouraged by the way that his bullpen pitchers threw, of course. Then you go to Calvin Rayburn, who was a little wild, but he was able to, to corral things in, and he's a sidearm thrower that uh, was really throwing with a lot of velocity was Calvin Rayburn. Um, you know, pitches were up high and away, and, and we we know that Rayburn's had a little bit of uh, um, a little bit of a difference in how he's throwing in the last couple of years. He's a preferred sidearm pitcher, but he's been throwing overhand uh, for the last year because of uh, what his affiliated organization wanted him to do. Now he's back in the sidearm with the champions. They're letting him roll with that. But, of course, when you're throwing overhand, you're going to need to adjust. I think Rayburn's shown a lot of promise here early on. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, a big, big, big triple by Daniel Bick. It was almost like a blooper right down the line. It just stayed within the right field line yeah. and got out of the reach of Corey Vaughn. Eventually, you know, Vic made it to third. Unfortunately, Vancouver couldn't drive him in. But what matters is that he tied the game and that he came clutch. Last year, he had a couple clutch, clutch hits. According to uh, our French broadcaster, Tony, uh, he mentioned that Daniel Bick is one of the He's in the top 10 prospects in the independent leagues. Uh, that's the American Association, the Frontier League, the Can-Am League. Altogether, Daniel Bick was a huge force defensively as he is the captain of the infield, but not only he was excellent def- offensively to drive those runs in, Mike. The offensive, uh, or pardon me, the defensive... Um, Game will in, always be there. Yeah, well, the defensive infield for the Ottawa Champions was very good last year. The defensive infield is going to be good again this year. We uh, talked about the signing of Donal Duarte previously and uh, he's yeah. going to man third base. Daniel Bick's at short. You know, you got Albert Cartwright, Robert Garza. These are guys that can play in the middle of the infield. It, it, it looks really, really strong. And, and Daniel Bick is the captain of the infield. He's the guy that's going to mold that all together at short. He's got excellent range back there. And he's a big-time player. He's a big-time hitter. He hit 259 last year with the Ottawa Champions, which is fairly uh, par for the course for uh, an indie League player. However, he was a rookie, and he was able to really pick it up last year when he was put higher in the order into the two slot uh, after the the uh, the departure of Roberto 
Ramirez partway through the year for the birth of his child. He then came back, and when he came back, he was still in the two slot. Halanir liked him there, and here he is right now once again batting in that very same place. So, you know, when we talk about the core of the Ottawa champions, when we talk about guys coming back, playing well in certain positions, establishing that identity, that core, Daniel Bick is exactly that kind of guy hitting in the two slot and playing very sound defensive baseball. Absolutely, Mike. And with that being said, we're going to wrap things up for this segment. It's all here in Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Now that Mike and I did our post-game report, we're going to get to a couple interviews with the walk-off man, Danny Grauer, after hitting his two-run walk-off shot. Mike and I had the chance to catch up with him. Then Hal Lanier joins us to talk about the big game, game one win in the home opener. And then Billy Horn's going to talk about exactly what he's trying to do in terms of pitching coming into the beginning of the season. And that's still to come here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Joined here with Danny Grauer. Uh, your thoughts on your walk-off home run, how did that feel? Uh, it didn't really hit me until I kind of rounded in third. Yeah. It's kind of a surreal moment. I don't think uh, my feet touched the ground. I ran. It's uh, the hardest, hardest I've ever ran on a home run. It's the quickest I've ever gotten around the bases. It took me to third base to realize I should probably enjoy it a little bit. <laughs> it's your first full season in in the Can Am League, and you know, with this team, with this organization, you hit a home run in the uh, in the opening game of of your first full season. What does that mean to you? Uh, like I said earlier, it's kind of what you dream about, think about all winter. Um, there's moments like this and be able to do it the first night and uh, set the tone for the team as a, starting off with a win, especially at home, is always big and uh, it was awesome. And of course, uh, what were you thinking in that bat coming in? When I was on the broadcast, I was saying, you know, try to you know get that ball into the gap that they're playing more right center field. What was your whole approach? Were you aggressive? Were you kind of looking for your fastball right there? What yeah, were you kind of doing? I was aggressive. Uh, I wasn't trying to necessarily put in the gap. I was just trying to get a hit and... Uh, and uh, just to bring Kenny in, whatever I can do to bring Kenny in, and uh, for him, for me to for to do that is really special. And it's like I said during spring training, you you led the home run derby in terms of batting practice. You hit I think about five or six home runs during spring training, and so your power's there. What was it like to DH and get a get a day off from catching? Uh, I always enjoy DHing. It's always good, but the the only downfall is there's so much time between at bats. When you're playing the field, you know you can go on defense and kind of get your mind off batting. But when there's 45 minutes to an hour between at bats, uh, it's really tough to stay in the game, and stay loose. But I just got to keep moving around, stay loose, and uh, be ready for the next AB. You guys uh, set the tone in the series. It's a five-game series. You know, getting the win in the first game. How important is that, especially to start the year and like start the year off on the right foot? Uh, win the first game in the series is always huge. Uh, it's hard to win the series if you lose the first one. But um, start the year with the win is big, especially at home. We had a good crowd tonight. They were active. They were live. They were loud. It was good to get in front of them and put a good game together and uh, finish like that is really, uh, hopefully we set the tone for the rest of the season and we keep bringing some fans out. Thank you very much. Thank you. Al, it was a, uh, well, a, a crazy effort basically to come back and win that game. I know it, was, um, it, it, was, uh, it wasn't a big deficit, but uh, John Walter was dealing for New Jersey and uh, you guys managed to, uh, to break through and eventually win the game in the ninth. Well, again, we were facing one of the best pitchers in the league last year. There's, you know, that's why he struck, led the league in strikeouts. I mean, he's got great stuff. He knows, 
he hits both sides of the plate. He's got a good breaking ball and a good fastball. But, you know, I got to give credit to the young young players. Uh, Vic came back, had a big triple force to drive in two runs. And, uh, you know, Guire, what can you say? What a great way to end the ball game, especially in front of the home home fans. And you know, I'm sure a lot of those fans will be coming back. But, um, you know, Font pitched a great ball game, too. You can't take anything away from him. He pitched, you know, solid ball. He gave up two runs and uh, struck out seven. He probably went one more inning than what we anticipated, but he was strong, so uh, he got ahead of the hitters. I was very happy with the bullpen. You know, even Rayburn, you know, getting into trouble, he got the ground ball, and Brock uh, had made a great play. Yeah, you did. know, he, he, he came in and got it on a short hop and made a good throw to first base with the bases loaded. But uh, what a way to end the ball game. I mean, the home opener. Yeah, and, and now that you do mention, you know, Wilmer's font, uh, Wilmer Font's start, uh, what are your thoughts on Wilmer Font's start? You know, he allowed that big home run to uh, in the in the sixth inning, and, you know, he was very solid despite allowing a home run. Like, to, get, to get that out of, out of your you know, number one guy the first day, you know, I, I thought it would, I thought he pitched great. Again, um, you know, he, he had seven strikeouts. He got ahead of the hitters almost throughout the night. The only pitch he left it all over the plate, but... Every, anyone's going to do that, but again, um, you know, you got to give credit to our offense of coming back, and you know, the young kid played great. I mean, Garza had a, a great first game that uh, you know in pro ball. Yeah. So uh, again, it was a, a good team effort. Danny Grauer last year had two home runs with the Champions. He came here mid-season. Uh, there was a bit of an adjustment period, but this year he's come out. He's been hitting for power a lot in in, in spring trading and batting practice. He's been showing that he's got the power, and he showed it tonight. What's he been doing differently? Well, I think I think I think it went over through the winter time. We saw him in Florida, Billy Billy uh, Horn and I, myself. He, he was down in in uh, Boca Raton when we were running the camp. He came down there for a week and he looked more solid. Uh, I think he lost some weight but put on some strength. Uh, he swung the bat good against organizations down there. I mean, we we were facing the Marlins uh, High A Ball Club. And their number two draft choice was going 98-99. And he hit a ball similar to that, but left left center off the wall. So he's quickened himself up. I think he, you know, at the end of the season, he swung the bat good. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's good to have both catchers out right now. And what did you like of Kenny Bryant's, I guess, base running his heads-up play to kind of read the throw from Richardson? That was a very strong throw. We all saw that. And he got to third. And, you know, for a first baseman, Kenny Bryant is pretty fast. What did you think of Kenny Bryant's base running and how that was a big factor at the end of the game? Oh, Kenny, Kenny can run. I mean, he stole 12 bases last, last year. We put the bun on. We put the hit and run on also. So it was a hit and run, but it was a bad pitch. And, you know, lucky Kenny got in the scoring position tied up, you know, tagged up on the fly ball to center field and scored in the <coughs> on Grier's home run. <coughs> so, you know, everyone played a pretty good ball game. I, again, um, you know, one game, have to come out tomorrow and see what we can do offensive-wise. As a manager, what were you really saying to Grauer? Did you just say swing away or with two outs or kind of oh. pop one up the middle or just swing away and that's it? No, you just got to be aggressive at the plate. You know, whatever happens going to happen. If it's a line drive... You know, we win the ball game. If he pops up, we, you know, we're we're still playing. But you know, he hit the ball out of the ballpark. So pretty exciting inning for a home opener, and exciting for the new players here. So good win for us. Good.
Thank you very much, Al. Yep. Thanks, Al. So I'm joined here with uh, Billy Horn, and uh, just before the second game of the New Jersey Jackals series, and uh, let's just talk about, quickly about last night. Uh, what are your thoughts of uh, last night's game in terms of pitching, hitting the walk-off? Well, it was uh, you know a combined team effort last night. Just like we had spoken yesterday, it's you know this team's going to run on all cylinders. I think you know especially defensively, um, hitting and pitching wise. And we've got a great start out of Wilmer Font last night. He went six strong innings. And, you know, then we turned it over to the bullpen, and Perez came in and had two shutdown innings. And then, you know, Rayburn came in, and he struggled a little bit, but he, he battled, and, you know, he, and he fought his way through the inning. And, you know, our hitters didn't give up. And that's one thing that, uh, you know, uh, Seb and, and Jared and Hal work with with the hitters is uh, good quality at bats and, you know, really working the counts. And, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a testament to the character of the guys on our ball club where, it's that never-die attitude, and you can see it in the clubhouse. You know, all of these guys, they get along well, and, you know, we, we won that game as a team, you know, 100% yesterday. Tonight it looks like uh, Kevin Perez and Calvin Rayburn will not be pitching as they, you know, threw a lot of pitchers yes, pitches yesterday. What did you like of their starts, and, and what are you going to try to work on today to kind of get them ready for, you know, the next game? Yeah, uh, Perez and, and, and Rayburn are both, you know, they're both professionals. We're going to go out and get our work done now, and those guys will run, they'll throw, and, you know, they both went to the gym early this morning and preparing their bodies to recover for tomorrow. I really like the way Perez attacked the zone yesterday. Uh, he threw a lot of strikes yesterday. He threw uh, 31 pitches, 21 of which were strikes, and, you know, he, um, he didn't walk anybody, you know, and that was the key. He had four strikeouts and two innings, and, and he's got a, a very, very devastating changeup, one of the best changeups that, you know, you'll see in all of independent baseball, and I think that's going to be a pitch that's really going to help him, you know, get back with an organization. He's a high strikeout guy, and we saw that last night in his first outing. And then uh, Rayburn was a little off last night. I know he had the three walks, but, you know, we've seen him throw about four or five innings so far, and he's had a little trouble with the walks, but there has not been one ball that's been squared up on him. So today after we do our work, uh, Calvin and I are going to sit down and watch the replay of last night's game. And uh, it was just mechanical flaws yesterday with with Calvin, and that's something that we can work out. Again, he's a he's a professional. The kid works hard. You know, we were at, working out at the gym together this morning, and he's always asking questions and you know working on his mechanics and delivery. And you know, and and, and he'll be fine. I, you know, we're we're not worried about that at all. And uh, you know, Andrew Cooper was warming up late in the game in case it did go to extra innings. Of course, he was scheduled to be the fifth starter. Cordero came in. Now you have a little bit more depth in the bullpen with someone that can go maybe two, three innings. Um, most likely, he will pitch today. And what are you guys going to do uh, in terms of his play? And what are you looking, you know, forward to having him on the team this season? Yeah, uh, Cooper is going to be. Uh, looks like he'll probably be first out of the bullpen today. Uh, we're glad he didn't pitch last night, and that's no disrespect to him. He, he's doing a hell of a job, and he looks great. But uh, we didn't want to get into a situation today where we would have to put a little bit more stress on Hamrick, being that it's his first time out. You know, it's our pitcher's first time out. You know, we're looking for five, maybe six innings, you know, 70, 80 pitches, maybe 90, depending on, you know, what kind of shape they're in. And yeah, I know Wilmer went just over 100 pitches last night, but he's a seasoned veteran. He's ready to go. But, um, you know, back to Cooper, you know, listen, he's going he's gonna to be a long guy. He's going to be a swing guy. He might get some spot starts here and there. And um, I know he, he's, he'll be ready. Whenever we call his number, he's going to be ready to go. And, you know, odds are he'll be the first guy out of the bullpen today. And, you know, you can't quote me on that because you never know what happens during the game. But that's what we're looking for, for him to come out early if we need him, you know, in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning, whatever the case may be, depending on 
And, uh, you know, just to wrap things up here, uh, what are your thoughts on Wilmer Font's start last night? You mentioned that he threw 108 pitches. Um, you know, that home run to Art Charles, I don't really, it, as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't really his fault. He kind of gave him a fastball and he took him deep. What are your thoughts on Wilmer Font's start yesterday and, and the home run that he allowed? Yeah, I thought Wilmer's start was fantastic. Uh, you know, one of the things that we really monitor are first pitch strikes. We really preach on that getting ahead and and he threw 18 first pitch strikes at a at a 26 batters, and that's very good. It's yeah. above the you know that 65 percent what we're looking at. And uh, he ended up with 105 pitches last night. Uh, but he's a like I said, he's a professional. He's in great shape. He's uh, you know he's ready to go. And he made one one mistake with that pitch. It was actually it was a breaking ball. Uh, oh, it he, was okay. Yeah. yeah, couldn't see. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It was. It's a, you got a tough angle up there. Yes, <laughs> but it was a breaking ball that he had left up, and that was the one and only pitch that he. You know he would want back, but our Charles, he's a professional hitter. I mean, the guy, you know, he played in Double A last year, and you know, you leave the ball up and out of the plate, that he's going to hit the ball a long way, and he did. And you have to hit a long way to get it out out of our ballpark. But you know, Wilmer was fantastic. I mean, coming in as our as our ace, as our number one, you know, our face, you know, our face of our of our pitching staff, and um, that's what we needed. You know, we had a big crowd last night, and we wanted to get the fans into it, and they were and. You know, now it's uh, Hamrick's turn to take over tonight and pick up where, where Wilmer left off. Thanks so much. You got it, my man. Enjoy the game. Welcome to the final segment of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9 Ottawa's new music. If you're listening to us uh, on Saturday, which is uh, today, uh, the Ottawa champions are in action against the New Jersey Jackals for Game 3. Pre-game show will be airing right after this segment of Around the Diamond. And of course the whole show, as we will get a half an hour show for the Battle of Ontario right after this segment, and then Mason Dietrich will have a half-an-hour pregame show at 6.30, so do not turn that dial, or join us back at 7.05, as Mike Nellis and I will have the call for the Ottawa Champions. Game three of a five-game set at home versus the New Jersey Jackals. Austin Crisman will be on the mound for the Ottawa Champions after you know, being acquired from the, New, from the Houston Astros system, pitched double-A there, and he can eat up a lot of innings and is an excellent starter, but... Since it's our final segment, I had a chance to catch up with newly acquired Ottawa Champions player Ryan Brockett. He's a utility man, can play third base, second base, shortstop, center field, left field, right field, first base, any position on the dime on the diamond. If you look at the Can-Am League website, he's the only player that's listed as utility. He doesn't even have a listed position, but that's why I had a chance to talk with Brockett and kind of pick his brain and see exactly what you know what he brings to the champions and exactly what he's trying to achieve playing in the Can-Am League. Of course, he came over from the American Association and the Frontier League, so has played lots of independent ball. I think is an LS2 or LS3, if you know what that means. It's very complicated rules. But with that being said, we're going to get to the interview with Ryan Brockett. Following that, the Battle of Ontario will be live here on CKDJ 107.9 with Callum Frazier and Alec Brownsko. And then Mason Dietrich will have the pregame show for you at 6.30, starting with a couple interviews and an Around the League update. That's all here on Around the Diamond. Don't turn that dials. We'll be back at 6.30 for the pregame show. And first pitch at 7.05, Game 3, Austin Crisman on the mound for the Ottawa Champions versus the New Jersey Jackals. 
So we're here live inside the clubhouse with uh, newly acquired Ottawa champions, I guess, utility player Ryan Brockett. And uh, I guess let's talk about how you're a utility man, how you can play every position in the field. And uh, what's your favorite part about maybe you know moving from different positions, or do you like it? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I've embraced it. Um, you know, I've been fortunate now to have played a lot of positions over my career. And, you know, it's fun mixing it up and trying a new spot. Um, yeah, I played a lot of shortstop, but I've also you know played third and second in the outfield, so it's always a good change of pace to uh, you know play a new position. And you came up as a natural shortstop, and you mentioned to me before that you are a shortstop in your blood. So um, I guess now that you can kind of go around the diamond, it's got to be nice to know that you were that captain of the infield and that you can kind of play every position being in a shortstop. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, you just want to play. You just want an opportunity to go out there. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to play shortstop, but it doesn't have to be shortstop. You know, third base and short and second and left field. Like I said, I just embrace, you know, being able to play some different spots. And, you know, I think there's value. It provides depth. And, uh, you know, again, it's fun just moving around. What are you trying to do to improve your game now that you do come to Ottawa, I guess, later in spring training? Well, you know, I was in spring training uh, in Traverse City in the Frontier League. So I did have, you know, about a week of of training there which is good but right now you know it's just seeing live pitching getting my timing down you know things like that to get ready for the season and you you managed to join the team I guess this is your first week with the team you know a couple days you played in yesterday's exhibition game in which you tied nine to nine very tough game we'll get to that in a minute but uh Mr. Brockett I I have to ask you um what was it like getting the call just later after I guess being released you know, it's always exciting. Um, you're always looking for that next opportunity. I mean, I think over the course of everyone's career, you get released. It's just kind of part of the game. But, you know, it was great to hear from Ottawa, and uh, I was excited to sign. Yesterday, you you started at third base, and then you moved to center field, of course, when Boucher needed a little bit of a, rep, a rest. What's it like changing positions in the middle of a game? You know, it's fun. I, I hadn't uh, played center in a little while, but it was good to be out there and... Uh, you know, it's quite a day with the wind, but <laughs> we managed. And speaking of the wind, the, the winds were gusting about 50 kilometers an hour, and balls were traveling like up center field like it never has before in this ballpark. So it must have been a little bit, it was pretty tough to kind of track that ball down in the outfield. Yeah, it was difficult. I mean, uh, you know, I only had one I had to, to catch, but yeah, I mean, even the Steve Brown homer was something I thought I was going to be able to go get. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of the Steve Brown home run, you don't see much of those in this ballpark, so when you are playing defense, it, it has to be tough to kind of be able to know where your gaps are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, with that win yesterday, it was it was playing uh, playing a big part in you know the outfield positioning and, and the whole game, as you saw. And, uh, and now um, you come here, and this is, I guess, your first training day uh, with the team. How are you going to show how Lanier that you belong here? You know, just play my game. I mean... Uh, you know, show my versatility and, uh, you know, the ability to hit a little bit and get on base. And, you know, those are the things that I've done over the course of my career. And I guess, are you ready to play in this uh, Canadian weather? <laughs> yeah, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. I mean, I was a, I'm a New England kid, so playing oh. college ball uh, in, in early March was just kind of like this. So I guess uh, I'm used to it. Have you ever played in Canada before? I have. Um my first year I was in the Can-Am League, so we played in Quebec, and then I've also played in Winnipeg, and last year we were played in Ottawa, too. Oh, so you were in the American Association. 
Okay, cool. So what was it like playing in a different league? Is there any difference from coming to the, from the American Association over to the Can-Am League? Is there any difference? They're pretty similar. I mean, I think they're sister leagues. Um, you know, last year, I know this year there's not interleague play, but in years past there's been interleague play. So I think it's very similar. Uh, you know, it's good baseball everywhere. And now you come in, you know, you meet your teammates and stuff like that. I know the first night it was kind of, you know, off ease, you know, me- shaking everyone's hand and just meeting everyone. Now what's it like that you see what a tight group this is? It's great. I mean, I think it's a good group of guys and, uh, you know, I'm excited to be a part of the team. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thank you.